This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. In this room tonight, the question, what is the problem in our world? I would get many different answers. However, some would actually not come to the root of the problem. Maybe some would state the consequences of the problem or the outcome of the problem rather than the root of the problem itself. Maybe you would answer like this, selfishness, hatred, fear, corruption, war. Some might even say religion. And let's face it, folks, at the moment we have a serious problem with religion right around the world. But my question is deeper than this. My question cuts right to the root of the problem of the heart of man. What is the problem in our world? I'm going to address four things tonight, very, very simple things, and come right in, as it were, for the jugular and quote immediately what the problem in our world is. Friends, firstly, sin is the problem in our world. Sin is the root cause of the problem in the heart of man. And there are absolutely none of us that are exempt from this problem that we face. It's a problem to the world. It's a problem for you. It's a problem for me. It's a worldwide, universal problem, sin. We know this to be true because the Word of God says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us have lived up to the required standard to make us acceptable in the sight of God. The root of man's problem is what caused the breakdown of relationship between God, our Father, and our Creator. And we remain separated from God in our sinful condition until we are reconciled to Him. I'm so thankful I can stand on this platform tonight and say to you, when I was a young boy, I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. I've had the joy of living life with the knowledge of God, the understanding of who he is and what he has done for me. And I can never, ever go back to a life that is without God. I thank God tonight that I can give witness and stand before you and say that the most amazing thing that has ever happened in my life and in my world is to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Something happened in my heart, my mind and spirit that radically changed me forever. And once that happens to you, my friend, there is no going back because you realize that what is behind you is absolutely no life at all. The moment the dawning comes upon us when we realize that my sin is my problem, it's my issue, and I have to have it handled no matter what. What I do, I know I need the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. Friends, we were separated from God 
How did we arrive at this position? How did we come to this place in our world that is gripped by fear and hatred and violence and terror on every side? How on earth did we arrive in this place? Well, friends, my, the Word of God tells us so plainly and so clearly that the moment that sin entered the world through one man, Adam, the whole of creation fell. We fell into sin. And from that moment, every person who has been born across the face of the earth is born in sin. That means we have a bias within us. It means we have a bias within our nature that is prone to disobedience, rebellion, and rejection of God. And that's the problem in the world that we face. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin or the outcome of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Hallelujah. I love preaching this message. This is my most favorite message ever, the message of the gospel. And I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. What an amazing miracle happens in the heart of anyone who will, in humility and, and just absolutely surrender. Say, God, I need your mercy. I need your grace, and I need your forgiveness. You know, I remember uh, each occasion when I was at the birth of my three children. I remember holding them for the first time and looking down at their little bodies, absolutely perfect. I was intrigued by the little fingers and the toes. Yes, I counted them to make sure they were all there. <laughs> and I remember looking down and just seeing what Wow, little nails. Isn't that amazing? Oh, look at this little toe here. Absolutely perfect little toe with a nail on the end. Wow. And I thought, isn't that amazing? But it didn't take very long for us to realize that they might have looked perfect on the outside, but there was a bit of a problem on the inside. How could that happen to my son? How could my daughters be like that? And it doesn't take very long for us to realize that actually the sin natures in there, especially when they get to be the age of two. You've got it all to come, love. <laughs> well, it is an absolute joy, isn't it, that, that we can look at that. But there, soon we see uh, when they want to do something their way, that strength of carry, that, that resistance, and, and no, you know. Uh, I'm fascinated with my little granddaughter now. I've loved talking about my family. You don't mind, do you? And uh, I, 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 she's amazing. Her name is Ellie. And I even got a photograph today on my phone. Don't you just love it when you get pictures about your grandkids? And, and, and you know, uh, what's happened there? She's, she's 18 months, and now when mummy or nana, Miriam, says no, Ellie, no, no, she just goes like that. She goes, and then wanders off. <laughs> so she knows what no is. The problem is, friends, you see, we didn't know to say no to that which would corrupt us, that which would cause damage, that which would remove our relationship, the very thing that we were created for. 
And it doesn't take very long for each one of us to understand and discover something about ourselves as well when we reach that certain age that we have a personal sin problem and we need to be reconciled to God in a wonderful way. Hallelujah. Friends, until this happens, there can be real no life, no, no life at all. There can be no real joy, no real peace. I, I love the fact that I can put my head on a pillow at night and know that if that's the last time I go to sleep in the physical realm, I'm going to wake up in the presence of Jesus because I'm reconciled unto him. Be reconciled unto God and begin to know the real life and the peace and the joy that only he can begin. And we don't, we, we realize, friends, don't we, when we look at the world, we, we see a distorted, destroyed image of what God really intended it to be. And that's the same for you and I as well, until we see Jesus. There are things that will remain imperfect within us. Oh, we know that Jesus is working and perfecting us and bringing us to the image of his Son, the Son whom he loves. Uh, but right now we know that we're not quite there yet. I don't know if you've noticed something about yourself you're not quite perfect yet uh, and, and we know that that is absolutely where we are but friends God's intention is to not allow us to stay in that distortion but to bring us back to the original image of the Lord Jesus Christ to be like the perfect son that we were always designed to be. He said, Pastor Paul, what do you mean about this distortion? Well, let's use the family as an example. You know, it, is God, it was always God's intention that the family be the framework of society. And uh, he designed the family. God created the family. And there is a clear and present danger right now within our society because the family is under attack. And you and I know that. And I stand here without any bombast spirit or judgmental heart I'm just stating absolute truth as it really is and friends I want to tell you that it was God who designed marriage he made them male and female he sent them forward and said go and multiply and we can never have the best and never have the perfect where if we allow the image and the design of God to be distorted by our own sin we can't define redefine marriage. We might pass a law. We might even say it's okay in society. Not that we ever would, but I want to tell you that God designed marriage, and it is male and female he made them, and he sent them into wor the world to multiply. Children are a blessing or from the Lord. You say, Pastor, you're a bit politically incorrect tonight. I'm happy to be politically incorrect and state it out exactly as it is, that God's image is in the family and he designed it and no matter what laws are passed as far as God is concerned that design will never change hallelujah somebody say amen, amen. you see We've got children. They need to grow up in a society and a family that, where they are secure, where they are loved, where they are cared for by father and mother. And we know that there will never be the perfect scenarios and situations whilst we live in this world, but we do not lead to adopt the distortion that the enemy is seeking to bring. And so we are seeing the consequences of this distortion manifest in many ways within our society. Children are robbed of natural 
innocence because society feels it needs to teach sexual education to four-year-olds in order to protect them from abuse. I want to tell you that if man dealt with his sin and he dealt with his sexual perversion and immorality, then innocent children would be protected by the purity of God in man rather than us having to operate like this. Oh, don't we need a miracle in our society, in the world in which we are living? Let's continue to pray that God will turn the laws of our nation and our land back to that which is acceptable to him. Amen? I only use that as an example tonight because we're all recognizing that sin is the problem in the world that is destroying and distortion, distorting the framework of what God put in for society, the family. God designed it, and it can never be redefined or replaced. Somebody say hallelujah. And then secondly, I want to talk very briefly about some consequences of sin. You know, it, it just breaks our hearts, doesn't it, when we actually see that, that the way God felt, we, we have a, a glimpse as to how God felt when man sinned against him. You don't need to open your Bible tonight. Just I'm happy for you to just listen and let it pour out of my spirit and fall like rain on your mind. But listen, God said in Genesis chapter 6, five to seven, that he was grieved that he ever made man on the earth. His heart was full of pain because of the way that we had gone. Man himself has moved so far away from the perfect image which we were meant to be living in that we are unrecognizable until we come to Christ. Psalm 51 verses three and five says that man knows he has sinned and God is proved right. Hallelujah. Listen, my friend, God has been proved right. The evidence is too great. You might not see it. You might not recognize it because of the consequences of sin. The Bible says the consequences of sin is that we become blind to our need and we become deaf to the message. And the Bible says that many will be ever hearing but never understanding. Many would hear the message but never have the faith or ability to press through and receive the grace and the mercy of God. I believe tonight with all my heart that if you've come along to this meeting and you're searching and you're asking your big questions, I want to tell you in a few moments I'm going to talk about the solution that God has for us and every one of us can respond in faith individually and yet together to enable each one of us to receive God's solution. So friend, do not allow your spirit and your mind to be robbed from hearing the solution that God has put in place for you even before the foundation of the world. Don't you think that's an absolute miracle that even before you were formed in your mother's womb, the Bible says that God knew you. He knew you were coming in this generation. He knew he knows you by name. He knows how many hairs that Pastor Paul does not have on his head. <laughs> He knows the very street where you're living. He just knows you through and through. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your need. He knows your heart. He knows your cry. He knows uh, everything about you so intimately and so closely. But here's the miracle. He has a desperate desire in his heart for you to know him. It's a miracle. God knows you, but he has a desperate desire in his heart to know you. Because you see, his heart was full of pain. His heart was full. He was grieved because he'd made man. And I thank God that the
the plan of God was so amazing that even before I drew breath, God planned it that on a strategic day, I would respond in faith to him and receive this amazing grace that we have been singing about. Hallelujah. So, my goodness, I better come up for air, hadn't I? <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Woo! Wonderful. Isn't Jesus amazing? Amazing. We're singing about it. Is it real in your heart? And that's a great question, isn't it? It needs to be. Friends, how amazing God really is. You know, Romans is an amazing book. It teaches us that we are slaves to sin until we are brought back to God. It teaches us that we are blind. We can't see until Jesus opens our spiritual eyes. And you might be uh, sitting in there where you are, feeling offended or, or uptight or you've suddenly gone all hot and you're feeling uncomfortable because there's a Yorkshire fella here telling it as it is. <laughs> you might be saying to me, well, I don't need that. I'm educated. Uh, you know, I, I, you don't know me at all, Pastor Paul. You don't know my background. You don't know who I am. I mean, I don't need one of these religious crutches, you know, to be able to get through. You're obviously a weak person. You had a need. Uh, I want to tell you, my friend, that's because I recognize my need and my eyes were made open and my ears became open. And the moment that God began to move on my life, I was convicted about who I was and what I needed. And I thank God that I did so because it shaped the rest of my life and is reshaping the man that I am. Hallelujah. I thank God I can stand today and say that God's plan is able to open the eyes of the blind. God's plan is able to unstop the ears. And God's plan is able to cause a person who at one time would have had wanted nothing to do with God to run to his arms and receive his mercy and receive his grace. And it comes through the gospel, through the very message that I'm preaching tonight. The Bible says there is a power in the gospel message as it's preached that enables a man and a woman to receive faith in order to believe. Hallelujah. In order to believe and in order to receive. See, there are many, many people who believe in the existence of God, but they don't know him. And that's the difference. I'm not asking you to make a confession that you believe in the existence of God tonight. I am going to bring a challenge to our hearts and our spirit without embarrassment, without us feeling uncomfortable, because I believe that's what God wants me to do in this Sunday night meeting tonight. But I want to tell you, as you listen to the sound of my voice, I want to tell you that God himself, Himself is speaking right into your heart and into your mind and he's praying for you and he's longing for you to run back to the arms of the Father by believing and by receiving in Jesus' name. Amen. So sin is the problem in the world and the consequences of sin are all around us. Now, thirdly, I want to talk about the good bit, hallelujah, the solution. <laughs> are you grateful that God has a solution? And the solution is found in what God has already done. It cannot be found in anything else other than what I'm about to share with you very precisely. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever 
believes in him should not perish, should not suffer destruction or loss, but have the gift of eternal life. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the answer. That's the answer, my friend. The only answer is to believe and to receive through the message and the love of God. Oh, I love this. Let me say it again. I love the plan of God. I love the way that God has done this. You see, sin entered the world through one man, and God's plan was that sin would go out from our lives through one man. The first Adam failed. The second Adam, Jesus, he succeeded. Hallelujah. He succeeded. And I want to just remind you that actually in the dialogue that took place in heaven between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they looked around. They looked around across the face of the earth. Was there anyone good enough who could pay the price? And of course, there wasn't. And so we almost can listen in on the conversation that takes place in glory. The Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We have it in the words, so we know what they said. Isaiah, who will go for us? Who can we send? And Jesus, in his amazing love, said, Here I am. I will go. Send me. Send me. And there was an appointed moment in time, scheduled before you were even in the heart of your mother and father, a hope that you would come. Scheduled absolutely perfect that the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, left the throne room of glory, laid aside his majesty, and took on flesh. And I wonder how Mary felt that day when she held a baby. She looked at his little hands and his little toes and her nails and was fascinated just by the physical of a perfect child. And then as she grew, as he grew and he, he grew into manhood, Mary, pondering all these fascinating things in her heart, came to the realization that this was no ordinary child. There was nobody ever like Jesus who had been born on the face of the earth before. And as she looked at her little boy as she grew, you know, there the story is told of, of when Jesus was working in the carpenter's shop. And the light was shining through the doorway. And he went over to the doorway, tired from the work of the day. And he stood in the doorway. And he lifted his arms up onto the doorposts and stood. And the light caught the image of the Son of God as he stood in the doorway and cast the shadow on the wall. And Mary, from the other side of the workshop, saw a prophetic image of the perfect Son that she had bore presenting himself ready for the cross. 
There was never a moment in the life of Jesus when he sinned. There was never a moment in the life of Jesus when he was imperfect. He was the absolute perfect, spotless Lamb of God. The Bible says he is God himself who knew no sin. But because of his amazing love, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And when we sing amazing, you're amazing. Easy to sing the song. What a revelation of that does in the heart and the spirit of a man or a woman when we understand the amazingness of the Almighty. It's indescribable. Jesus, perfect on the outside and perfect on the inside. And we listened in, and Jesus said, I'll go. He needed someone who could possess the power of an undestructible life. One who could lay down his life, but that life would break through again. One who, because he was sinless, would be unable, could never be controlled or held in the chains of death because he was without sin. He didn't deserve to die, and yet he willingly laid down his life as a sacrifice. And then fourthly and very quickly, I want to encourage you to bring Jesus into your life and to bring Jesus into the center of your family from this night on. How do we do this? It's amazing how man thinks that he can respond to God his way. He can just come anytime his way. And of course, if he feels all right about it, then he thinks he's acceptable. It's a con. When you think about it, if it was God who designed the plan and made a way where there was no way, saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, don't you think that he would have a way prepared for us to return? Of course he has. And the image is presented in one of my favorite stories in the Bible, the prodigal son. It's the image of every one of us. We're away. We're in rebellion. We're distant. We're in a foreign place. We're not native to the Father. We're away doing our own thing. And whilst we're in the mess, suddenly there is a dawning in our mind, a realization that we are not where we are meant to be. I've said this to you before. There's been one time in my life, Pastor Dave, when I was not where I should be. And my mother, when I used to come in rather late at night, 
I'd hear the bedroom door open. <laughs> Mums are good at that, aren't they? They know when you're in and when you're out, you know. <laughs> and I remember being in places thinking, what on earth am I doing here? Sticky floors. And I remember hearing my mother's voice. Son, come and see me. And I walk into the bedroom. Sit down, son. How long is it going to be? How many years are you going to waste? Come on. Come on, son. You know who you are. And you know what God has called you to be. And there was a moment when I came home from work as a young man. I hadn't lost my salvation, by the way. I was just in a backslidden condition. Rebellion. And I came home from work one day. On the way home, I began to weep. And I got home as quick as I could. And I ran straight upstairs and I, I lived in, we, we had a bedroom at the top of the house, you know. We had outside loos and it was Yorkshire. With nout tech nout. And in the top of the house there was a big room. And it was more like a dormitory. And there were three beds in a line with a tiny bedside cabinet in between. Mine was the one on the left. As you came up the stairs. Sometimes I go and park outside that house and I reflect and think about the miracle work God's done in my life. I run up the stairs that had a sharp turn. I flung myself on my bed. I put my head in my pillow and I said, God, I need to come home to you. Forgive me. I made a confession again. And I want to tell you from that moment on, I've walked with Jesus, and I love every moment of serving him. Thanks be to God. A prodigal can come home. And there was a dawning in the heart of that young man. He'd become so low, he was down so much. The Bible says that he was eating pig food. Some people have been eating pig food all their life but they don't realize. And tonight, wouldn't it be a miracle if for you, you came to your senses, you shook yourself, as it were, spiritually, you picked yourself up from where you are, and you began the journey home to the Lord. And I want to tell you, just as the prodigal son story in the Bible as he made his way in coming nearer to the house, nearer to the family, nearer to the home, he looked and he saw an image. And the father must have been looking at how that boy was presented. Didn't look like his son. I never meant him to be like that. And yet as he came closer, he saw it was his boy. And he ran towards him, flung his arms around him. And the Bible says he took him into his home. The son said, I don't deserve. And that's the greatest point tonight. We don't deserve the mercy.
and the grace of God. But the father said, my son was lost, but now he's found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. How many times have you sung that hymn? And tonight, your eyes can open to the mercy and the grace of God. I love the preach that the Apostle Peter brings on the day of Pentecost, Pastor Dave, because the people are so cut to the heart. That's where it says, and I think that has to happen in us in a way. We have to have a deep realization of our sin and need. We have to come under, as it were, the conviction and the convincing of God's presence. When that happens, we either repeat the words of those who spoke to the apostle after he preached on that day, what must I do to be saved? He said, Pastor, that's an old-fashioned word, saved. Well, thank God. We can't take it out of the word. It's there. I need to be saved. And that's what happened to me. And when the son comes home, the Bible explains, we have been saved. How? How? I acknowledge my sin and my need. I repent. I lived life without God. I turn and begin the journey home, saying, Father, have mercy on me. And I want to tell you what happens. There's a celebration in heaven the moment that every one of us, any one of us, makes a confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and believe. What an amazing verse. Two verses in Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you believe, if you believe, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, he is risen from the dead. You shall be saved. And even Christian tonight, as you come under the sound of this message, let this gospel bring an assurance of your salvation tonight. Repent, believe, and receive the mercy and the grace of God. And they were baptized for the forgiveness of their sin and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can I confess something with you tonight? Whenever I reach a moment in a meeting like this, I've prayed, I've asked the Lord, how do you want me to handle this moment as your representative? I confess to you that sometimes I get it right and sometimes I maybe don't get it right. What is right for you is the question tonight. You see, I don't need a response to make me feel as if I've been successful this weekend, Pastor Dave. <laughs> because only God knows. 
and you don't even need to remember me. But I want you to remember this, that I came in April 2017, and I stood on this platform, and I represented God to you. And I am asking you, without any embarrassment, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? And are you in a place where you need to return home to him? If you have never made your decision of faith, never believed and received in the way that I have explained tonight, I would love it. I know heaven would go into party mode if you were to make your decision of faith. You say, Pastor, don't persuade me. Don't, you know, don't compel me. It's my job under God to tell it as it is, but only God can do the persuading and the compelling. But I know what he would love to happen in these moments. I believe he would want us to make a public confession to say, yes, Lord, I believe and I receive. And to make your commitment to live a brand new life God's way, real and personal, if you've never done that, or if you know tonight you were in a place where I was, away from God, distant, and you want to come close to him again, you also can make your good confession of faith. This is the only message by which you can be saved. I've probably told you the story before of when I preached my heart out one Sunday morning in a big church. It was a fair-sized place. In fact, I'm pastoring it right now. <laughs> and I was a young man, still a student training in college. And I preached my heart out that morning and I never gave an opportunity for people to make a public response. And that afternoon, I had a phone call from one of the mothers. And she said, my daughter was there this morning. I can't believe it. She's now in intensive care. Would you go see her? I said, I will. The pastor and I went together. And she was in a coma. She never came back from that. And she passed away. From that day on, whenever I've preached the gospel, I've made it plain. This could be the last moment and the last opportunity I am able to offer you in the presence of God. Whenever I put my pillow, my head on the pillow at night, I say, Lord, if this is my last night of physical sleep, if I wake with you in glory, let it be. In Jesus' name, thanks be to God for this amazing gospel of love. Can I ask you without any embarrassment today, if you would want to say, Jesus, I need you and want you in my life just in the way this pastor's been speaking, can you let me know that by just raising your hand right now? I want to tell you there won't be many hands because, listen, most of the people in this building I know belong to Jesus, so you might be the only one. And that could make you feel like not raising your hand. 
But if you were the only one, Jesus would have still died for you. He would have still paid the price for you. He hung naked on a cross. Every eye could see him in total exposure. He did it because of love. And I want to ask you to raise your hands so we can help you, so that we can know who you are and support you as you move forward on your journey home to Father. And that's exactly what we need to do. Can I ask you, without embarrassment, can you say, Pastor, that's me. Just let me see your hand in the air right now and then pop it back down again. Go ahead. Just do it now, if there's anybody at all. I'm not into big prolonged appeals, by the way. So if you're going to raise your hand, raise it now. I will take it that we are all in the right place if no one raises their hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A lot of people come up to me at the end and say, Pastor, I wish I'd raised my hand. Will you pray for me? This is the moment. This is the moment. For you to raise your hand, respond to God. Okay, maybe Christian, you've been in a place where you don't want to be and you want to be nearer to God tonight, and we can take these moments to just move closer to Him, nearer to Him, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Shall we stand together? Can I quietly ask, ask the band to come up quietly? And we're going to sing together, Majesty, King of Kings, Majesty, God of Heaven, living in me. Gentle Savior, closest friend, strong deliverer. And we're going to allow God to just come by the power of his Holy Spirit tonight. Hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. Maybe tonight you need prayer. Maybe tonight to, to, have a, uh, to receive a healing from God. Maybe in your mind. Maybe troubled in your mind, in your soul. Maybe physically you need a healing. You need God to touch you. Maybe really where you are, you know you've made a decision of faith, but you just need God to make your relationship with him come alive again. And then you can run to his embrace in these moments of worship. And remember, remind you of what we've been speaking of on Saturday night and this morning where the word said uh, those who responded, Moses and Joshua stood before the, the bush and they stood before the Lord kicked off their shoes because they were on holy ground. I want to tell you these moments that we spend together are holy ground. We allow the spirit of God to come down upon us and touch us and minister to us. Hallelujah. The spirit of the Lord is upon us because he has anointed us to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from the for the prisoner. Hallelujah. To see prison doors open, chains broken from people's hearts, healed families, healed homes in the name of Jesus, healed marriages, healed from wounds that have troubled and ensnared. Thank you, Jesus, for the restoration of your kingdom touch over this congregation right now. In the name of Jesus, let your 
majesty fill this room. Let your presence, let this be hallowed ground. Let us reverence God. Let us reverence Jesus, for he is among us in deep, deep rivers of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church, let's sing it. King of kings, majesty. King of kings, majesty. God of heaven, living in me. Gentle Savior, my closest friend. Strong deliverer, beginning and end. All within me falls at your throne. Your majesty, I can but bow. I lay my all before you now. To my 
in the presence of God. Just stand in the presence of God. Spirit of God. purposes the Holy Spirit has been given is that we might give witness and testify to the true and living God and as I speak these words I feel that prompt in my spirit that just a prophetic word that the ground on which we are standing is holy ground tonight hallelujah Before a holy God, yes, you're standing before the King of Kings. There's no place like it, nothing compares with.
I created you for this moment to stand before the throne. My arms are open for you. The door is never closed. This is your moment as standing in my house. The rose and waves of my spirit washing over this place. My breath upon you in the throne room of grace. Moment of mercy. The moment of worship. A moment of cleansing. Hallelujah. I want the team to lead us now in just a, a beautiful song. We bow down and confess you are Lord in this place. As we sing this song, if you want to make a physical move forward, just to come into the presence of Jesus and stand, as it were, before the burning bush of his presence, want to stand on holy ground and take a step forward towards him, I'm going to invite you to come from where you are and just stand. I'm just going to lay my hands upon you. You know, I believe in the impartation of the anointing of God. I believe that the Word of God moves with authority and power as His presence comes over us. We don't have to work hard for that. We just come open-hearted and open-handed. And I believe this, this place, this represents the altar of God tonight, the throne room of heaven. And I'm going to invite you to come and just stand say, Lord Jesus, this is holy ground. Spiritually, you can take off your shoes and you can bow and you can lie on your face and you can come and worship him in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, in your presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. 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 There is nothing, there is no one who compares with you. I take pleasure in worshiping you, Lord. I will come, I will come 
Just feel that this is a moment of surrender for every one of us. Sometimes when a, a man of God has preached the gospel, that's a moment for surrender as well, for the saints, for the church, for us to just come and stand in his presence and allow God to touch us and minister to us. Maybe there's needs and maybe there's issues and things that you know you need God to step in and handle. And I want you to feel free to come from where you are that we might pray together, stand in faith together, believing for God's answer and intervention in your life in the name of Jesus. Whether it's sickness, whether it's a finance need, whether it's a need in your family or whatever it might be. Or even if you just want to come and allow there to be a divine moment in your life for saying, yes, Lord. Here I am, send me. Just as Jesus was sent into the world, so are we sent into the world to preach the gospel. Thank you, Jesus, for this moment. Lord, I pray that as we come and respond to you, that your glory would fill this place. Your glory would come and fill this place. Friends, the glory of God is upon us tonight. The power of the Lord is in this place. This is a moment not to be missed. This is a moment to reach out to him, to respond to him and come towards him in the name of Jesus. As we sing it again, just come out from your seat and respond to the Lord. Don't respond to me. Respond to the Lord. I will come and bow down. I will come. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.